Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. Anna Valens, hello. Hi, it's great to be here. You are the NSFW, the Not Safe for Work reporter at the Daily Dot, first time Shortcuts guest, joining us from Brooklyn, New York. Today we're going to talk about Canada's secret porn problem, exposed by America. And aliens exist, and they're teaming up with Israel. Really excited to chat. Today's episode is brought to everybody by Arthur Jasek, Gabriel Klassen, Matt Junek, Eden Weiss, Kathleen Soroby, Matthew Lissak, Darren Young, and Barry. Hi, my name's Barry, and I'm a web dev from rural Ontario. I support Canada Land because I grew up listening to Jesse Brown in his search engine days. He helped show me that technology is political and how it's used is as important as who's making it. With Canada Land, he's surrounded himself with strong and diverse voices, and I'm learning new things constantly. Keep up the good work, y'all. Anna, you cover NSFW issues, you cover sex work, you cover the pornography industry. But one thing you might not know is that though Canada hosts the biggest porno site in the world, gets more traffic than Amazon, more traffic than Netflix, Canadians don't watch pornography. We have no idea what Pornhub is. We've never watched the stuff. 
Really? Never once in your life. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, everybody knows that Jeff Bezos is the guy behind Amazon, but the owners of Pornhub, of MindGeek, the parent company, Ferris Antun, and David Tassillo, I searched for those names in the archives of the Globe and Mail and CBC. These are like maybe the biggest tech titans uh, in Canada. Their names have never even appeared mm -hmm. in the Globe and Mail or on CBC's mm -hmm. website. So I can only infer from that that that's because Canadians, uh, we don't care for pornographic film materials. Um, no, uh, that's not true, but it is true <laughs> that we have this Pornhub company that is kind of run out of Montreal. It sort of like exists in many different jurisdictions for tax purposes and whatnot. But this is a Canadian made tech titan that gets very little coverage until the New York Times columnist Nick Kristoff published an expose. Mm. I know that you're familiar with this, with this piece by Kristoff. Maybe you could tell us what's in it and, uh, and then we'll get into what it all means. Yeah, of course. Well, I think it's really interesting, first off, um, you know, as an American myself and based in Brooklyn in New York, um, it's very interesting because Americans are very much caught up in the moral cultural health of our culture and of our society through sex, through pornography. So that's an innately part of what it means to be an American, so tied up in our identity. So it's no coincidence that the New York Times uh, would publish the story about Pornhub. The column itself goes into some of the problems that are, are very real about Pornhub. And these are problems of content being posted on the site that's non-consensually added, content that's being posted on the site without permission of the people depicted in the videos and films that are posted on the site. But it can be really complicated, and it's a very difficult and nuanced topic, in part because Pornhub, it's easy to think of it like a CD sex shop somewhere in like Times Square. But the reality is Pornhub is a lot more like our social media company, like Twitter, like YouTube, like Facebook. And so the content that gets posted on Pornhub is simultaneously gets a huge focus in America because it's sexual content. It's a huge focus and a huge concern about how sexual content is shared on the Internet, while at the same time mirrors a lot of the other problems that we see on other social media websites like Facebook, like Twitter, like Instagram, etc., where content that is illicit, that's inappropriate or is shared in ways that can be hurtful to other people are also shared on those websites, too. So we have this sort of weird parallel going on right now that this column really exposes about both how we treat sex and how we treat sex online but also what content we think needs to be moderated and what content we're okay with not necessarily being moderated in ways that can show our hypocrisies, particularly for Americans, but also obviously this is a Canadian-based company we're talking about. So it really does have a lot of relevance for how Canadians engage with sexual media online too. I mean, just to take people through this, I don't think anybody reading this who is kind of coming to it with uh, you know a baseline or you know, general unfamiliarity with Pornhub could not be moved by this very alarming, concerning, and, you know, a very human story where you, you meet these people. Nick Kristoff introduces us to these young women who have been horribly abused. I don't think there's any question. Uh, mm -hmm. We're talking about people who were trafficked as minors, had their violation filmed, uh, did not consent to that, and now this stuff lives online and they can't do anything about it. People can download it. Mm -hmm. There are allegations people were, were raped and that was documented. People who were struggling at the time and, and, and did consent but consented under dress and, and now they can't get this stuff off. You know, like this is a story after story of person whose life is ruined. And here's this company that's saying, hey, we're doing our best to get this stuff off, but we can't catch it all. Mm. What are you going to do? And you can't help but feel like this is just a horrible injustice. And 
it was phrased as a direct challenge to Canada. Like, Canada, why are you tolerating this? And Christoph tweets to Justin Trudeau, you say you're a feminist. Why are you tolerating this? They're profiting off of rape, off of the rape of children. And I don't know how anyone could take issue. Like, th like those people's violation seems awful. And whether Pornhub is actively involved, I mean, the, the fact that they make as much money as they do seems to suggest that they should be held responsible. We can get into that a little bit, but just to take people through what happened next, what happened next was like almost instantaneous media gets action from, from a company that has kind of flown completely under the radar. Not, not completely. There, there's been some coverage of Pornhub itself, but this was by far the most media attention it's ever gotten. And right away, uh, legislators in Canada from all parties, municipal level, uh, the mayor of Montreal said that the federal government's got to step in here. We don't want this company on our soil. And there was really no debate. Everybody was saying, we're going to do something about this. And it kind of tied in, like, our government is, like, talking about cracking down on big tech anyhow. So the heritage minister says, oh, don't worry, I've got a bill coming that's going to, you know. And there's a suggestion it might be about a lot more than just Pornhub. But this was an American media source putting Canada on the spot, and then everyone here acting like, oh, we, we had no idea. We had no idea until you told us. Mm. And one thing I did note, and that I will kind of pick at that article about, was this idea, as you say, that we're talking about some seedy place that's off in the red light district or off, uh, you know, like it's some gross sex shop. Porno is mainstream culture. It's mainstream media. Mm -hmm. It's every neighborhood in this country. So this kind of like, what is Pornhub uh, pose? I don't believe that from just about anybody who's taking that position. Mm. I know you had more issues with Christoph's reporting here. What did you find problematic about this piece? A lot of things. So first off, the sad reality is the fact that like, I think everyone can agree that like, if you are underage, you should not have pornography of yourself posted on the internet without your permission, period. Something terrible happening to you, like being violated should not be accessible on the internet. No one should be able to watch or even, God forbid, enjoy those terrible moments of your life, those traumatic moments of your life placed on the internet. Part of the problem, though, is, and I, I, this is really the biggest problem I have with Christoph's reporting, is that he's using these real and awful and terrible stories while looking for solutions that are going to cause a lot of collateral damage. They're going to cause a lot of collateral damage to all sorts of different types of people, particularly marginalized people, particularly people that rely on the internet to trade or sell sex, what we call sex workers. And so uh, I think the best way to, to discuss this is actually to reframe this first through an issue we're going through in the United States right now, which is the Communications Decency Act and Section 230. To give you a brief overview, it is really complicated, uh, although it is incredibly relevant to Canadian audiences. I think every Canadian should know about it, although it's a bit of a uh, terrible thing that American politics will affect Canadian free speech, right? We're used to it. There you go. It's, <laughs> it's a time-honored tradition. But the Communications Decency Act, it's very old. It goes back to the 20th century. There's an amendment to it called Section 230 that basically the short version of it is that if you are an internet service provider, which technically is a very vague term, but that includes websites. If you're an internet service provider and someone publishes something on your website, you are not responsible for that content necessarily. It is the person who posted it that's responsible. Let's say you run a blog and you run a blog that's, I don't know, about like cars and someone comes in your blog and randomly says, I am going to shoot up my school. I'm going to shoot a school. I'm going to shoot up uh, my teachers. Under Section 230, the person that posted that threat is responsible. 
and they're the only person that's responsible for posting that threat. Your blog is not at risk because you are not considered criminally liable for hosting that content. Someone came and posted content on their site, and it's their responsibility, and that's going to be the federal government's responsibility to nab them. The problem, though, with what's happening in the United States is a bipartisan push to weaken Section 230 to the point where if you run a blog and someone's going to post a you know, a criminal threat on your blog, you could be responsible for that criminal threat, right? And so suddenly that creates a lot of criminal liability. And this is actually what happened with a law that we passed in 2018 called SESTA-FOSTA. SESTA-FOSTA, um, unfortunately, created an intense amount of criminal liability for sex trafficking and the sexual exploitation of children that, while really terrible and awful things, was actually passed through Congress with the intent of shutting down the ability for sex workers to make a living and make an income, you know, pay their bills by shutting down websites that these sex workers use due to criminal liability, due to high risk, basically forcing these websites, hosting platforms for sex workers to shut down websites in that same way that if you were running a blog, you'd be responsible for some random person coming in and making criminal threats on your blog. Now, a Canadian listening might say, you know, that's America, who cares? Well, where do all these big tech companies operate, right? They operate in America. I'm talking about Twitter, we're talking about Facebook. And so this is one of the problems that I find with Christoph's article is what he's calling for is essentially, he's basically inviting Canadians to put more criminal liability on website providers and website hosters. It's going to backfire in such a way that damages free speech to the point where, you know, even anyone listening to this, this podcast, whatever platform is hosting this podcast could be responsible for the words that we're saying right now, right? Which is, which is like, that's just crazy. Like Apple can't mm. be necessarily treated as if it's literally endorsing every opinion all the time ever on all of its platforms. But that's the position that we're moving into. And that's, that's what Christoph is advocating for. It's going to cause a lot of collateral damage to free speech and the ability for marginalized people to use the internet safely. There's just a lot of, of stuff in there, and it's all worth drilling down on. I mean, uh, first of all, Pornhub, in their own response to this, trying to get ahead of being cracked down on with regulations, they immediately instituted big changes to their ecosystem. You can't download clips anymore unless you're like a paying elite member. You can't upload mm -hmm. clips uh, soon unless you're like verified by them. Uh, some of these things just seem like, yeah, that's pretty good. Like actually having some system of making sure that people are all, you know, no one's a child and everyone's consented. That sounds good. Mm -hmm. But we kind of are getting close to some of the things you're talking about. Now, if you put up free speech on the one hand and like profiting off of like child rape on the other, people are going to say, I don't really care about free speech if that's the choice that you're giving me. Mm. But the implications here are big. If you create an environment where the only websites that can operate are the ones that have the resources that can afford to take that responsibility for everything, then you are kind of creating that like four store, big box store shopping mall of an internet, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. sort of like what we saw happen. Facebook was facing all this pressure and moral panic around fake news. We're gonna crack down on fake news. You know, it's one thing for Facebook to say, okay, CNN isn't fake news and NBC isn't fake news. We'll make sure that they still show up in the algorithm. But then there mm -hmm. are like 5,000 other sites and we don't have the resources to figure out which one is fake news and which one isn't. Why don't we just suppress all of them? And Facebook mm -hmm. became a non-entity as a platform for lots mm -hmm. of legitimate independent media. I think that you're referencing some of the uh, 
the exceptions to the Safe Harbor 230 and the war on Backpage. Mm-hmm. That controversy, I think, is maybe a similar one to this one where you had a very popular classified sort of the place to go for sex workers to advertise. And tell me if I'm getting this wrong. But uh, this was a place that got people off the streets. They didn't necessarily have to uh, do sex work from the streets if they could advertise there. And when there was mm-hmm. when there was child trafficking or things like that, there was actually a bonus for law enforcement because it was all going through Backpage. There was one place you could go to mm-hmm. to monitor that stuff. They cracked down on Backpage. It doesn't exist anymore. And people had to go back to unsafe situations on street corners because they could no longer do this digitally. Absolutely. Right. So, so, you know, there are people who make money off Pornhub who might like there's going to be a dividing line between the porn pros and then the amateurs. So Mm -hmm. there's going to be immediate economic uh, repercussions for a lot of people. I guess if you're talking about stricter enforcement and people think that means that a lot of pornographers and child traffickers are going to get arrested. Great. But the reality of who actually gets criminalized is is sometimes other people. Exactly. And, you know, this it's really complicated. I I want to actually back up a little bit to talk a little bit about the changes that they just announced, because I I was looking through them twice, first last night and first this morning. I even uh, created a Pornhub account just to better understand the current verification process. And, you know, it's interesting because the steps that they are taking they seem good. They're also way, way overdue. And, uh, you know, this is such a complicated discussion because there's so much of this, yes, I agree with you that things need to be changed. But, and this is a good example of it where, you know, the adult industry, adult reporters have been reporting about this issue for literally years. No one likes Pornhub because Pornhub came in and it radically changed the adult industry for the worse. It encouraged piracy of sex workers' content. It changed the value of sex workers' work. It created not a monopoly, but something that's such a strong power in the industry and was very much an outsider, you know, a group of outsiders with no love for the industry coming in and now having this huge amount of control over it. And the issue with people like Christoph is that he's not necessarily, and the New York Times itself, for that matter, is that they're not necessarily clued into the adult industry or sex workers that are actually have been criticizing Pornhub for literally a decade. Um, he kind of comes in and comes up with his own solutions and his own ideas of how this is going to fix the situation while ignoring the people that actually, quite frankly, did the original work of figuring out what Pornhub's problems were, figuring out what's going on with this company, how it ruined an industry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so it creates this really difficult situation where you have this person who really does not have as much skin in the game as those of us that do sex work coming in and making these really big suggestions about changes, about getting the government involved. That's like, you know, seeing someone that needs a scalpel and surgery and taking a chainsaw to fix that problem. Like it's going to cause so much collateral damage and it's going to cause so many problems for the people that originally called out these issues in the first place that it just seems ridiculous. And I I think one of the biggest problems too as well, when you look at not just how Pornhub operates, but a lot of these issues with their content moderation is that there are ways to hold Pornhub accountable without necessarily putting people in harm's way. In the same way that there are ways to hold Facebook accountable without necessarily having independent media suffer from it. The problem, of course, is that that requires a lot of very careful planning. It requires a lot of thinking, and it sometimes requires a lot of time. And so it can be a really difficult problem to solve because of the fact that it requires a lot of people to put a lot of energy into something where they consult a lot of people that are usually not let into the room, right? Whether it's independent media, whether it's sex workers, whether it's people who are, you know, like, 
like these queer marginalized adult content creators that are not the big studios that are like inviting sex workers who are broke and they're broke themselves creating content and they need to work with Pornhub. These are really complicated problems. And when you have someone like the New York Times come in and kind of uh, just come in, look at all the work that's been doing to try to solve these issues and try to, to get Pornhub to change and just absolutely clear the room and say, this is how we should do it, guys. It's like taking us a whole two, three years back. And now we're suddenly scrambling to figure out how do we solve this issue? Because this guy is totally does not understand the work that we've been doing to try to solve this problem before he came in here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that the issue of Christoph kind of just like Johnny come lately to the story and then from this massive platform issuing the salvo, it's not just an issue of credit that there are so many people who've been doing it for years that kind of got written out of that story. It's that that, that earlier work took pains to represent like kind of a pretty important interested party in the story. I don't see anything in the Christoph reporting that even acknowledges that there is an interested party of people who do sex work, mm -hmm. who do legitimate sex work. Like they don't exist in like and I think the implication is that is such a minor concern when you're when, you know when you're kind of faced with the moral atrocities that I'm documenting here. That's just kind of left out. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's left out is uh the fact that Christoph has sort of inherited this campaign against Pornhub. There was a group called there's been a group called Trafficking Hub. They're taking credit for this victory now that has been campaigning against Pornhub for some time. And actually, this was this was a credit to uh, the Canadian media did cover this. Uh, Tyler Dawson for the National Post. Trafficking Hub claims to be non-religious and non-partisan, he reported, but it is an offshoot of an organization called Exodus Cry. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the person who runs it is the director of abolition. Mm -hmm. This is an explicitly Christian organization in Sacramento, California, and it takes on all manners of behaviors that it views as improper, from sex trafficking to bikini baristas. They're against mm -hmm. strippers. They're against uh, anything that, that uh, goes against their founder, Benjamin Nolot's idea of biblical sexual purity. So there is, a, a, you know, an inheritance of a, of a moral crusade against porn and sex writ large that uh, at least the people who are, you know, championing that, that that movement see Christoph's reporting as an extension of that. And I also feel like you've kind of got the fundamentalist Christian anti-porn side of this. But then when you talk about like child abduction and child rape, like we're talking about the common themes of QAnon conspiracists, mm. right? Uh, so mm -hmm. I'm in a weird spot. Like I feel like there's nothing wrong with Nicholas Christoph telling the stories of the of the young women whose stories he told there's just a lot more to this isn't there yeah that's exactly i would say the same thing too and i would go one step further and i say i i think part of the issue is by giving trafficking hub and giving you know by extension x cry which yeah as you correctly pointed out and and this is this is not new this is known they're a conservative christian group um, trying to masquerade through trafficking hub as if they're like totally apolitical. And that's just not true. They're, they are anti-sex workers. They believe that there's no such thing as being able to do sex work. They see all of it as sexual assault. That's just not true. I'm a sex worker myself. I should know like whether my work is consensual or not. And it is. I'm an adult content creator. And, um, you know, part of the problem with what's happening is whether Christoph knowingly knows it or not, He's creating a situation where he's giving a platform to this group that does not care for sex workers who are trying to use very real pain and very real problems 
in order to convince people to dig deeper into their pipeline of beliefs. And that's one of the biggest problems is that it's ripping away the work that sex workers are doing about criticizing Pornhub, about holding Pornhub accountable, because our work gets thrown on there all the time. It's always pirated without our consent. And our consent is violated that way, too. And no one talks about that. But instead, these stories are used by this fundamentally conservative group in order to get people to fall down this conservative Christian pipeline into deeper and, quite frankly, more troubling things to believe. You know, it starts with being anti-Pornhub because of sexual exploitation, which who, who doesn't disagree with that, right? But it, it falls down to this pipeline that leads to very nasty, very conservative, very bigoted opinions about who has the right to do sex work or who has the right to be a person. And I think that's something that Canadians should be aware of. You know, this American group is trying to come in and, and, and trying to dictate the conversation. Canadians should have the awareness that they ultimately are the ones that get to decide what they think is the right path for them with this. And they should be careful and they should be aware that they might be taken for a ride by someone that doesn't really have their best interests at heart. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible, heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction, and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Anna, it's your first time with us. Uh, We have a segment called Duly Noted, where we note duly that which should be noted duly and duly noted. Uh, Things that did not get enough attention. Is there something (laughs) that crossed your radar that uh, you felt should have been a bigger deal that you can tell our listeners about? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, this week there's a video game coming out called Cyberpunk 2077, and that itself has gotten a lot of coverage. But something that's been missing from a lot of the media reporting is its treatment of marginalized people within the game. And I, you know, alongside doing NSFW-based reporting, I also do games journalism. I write about video games for a living. 
And I've covered pretty extensively this game's relationship with sex workers, with people of color, with trans people in particular. And it's been kind of sad to see this game get so much, uh, you know, so much media attention, so much hype in the games journalism world and even on Twitter or YouTube. Like if you go on those sites, you'll see advertisements for this game everywhere. I've seen it even walking around in New York City. And there's really not a lot of conversation about, you know, this game that's supposed to be about this far off future where like you can change your body and modify it any way possible. Why it has such a bad handling on treating, you know, people of color in nuanced and respectful ways or why these trans bodies throughout the game seems kind of objectified and there's no real trans characters except for one or two you run into. It's been kind of upsetting, you know, it feels like as journalists, it's our responsibility to highlight when popular media franchises, you know, don't really have a good handle on political issues you know they're biting off more than they can chew and uh this is a really good example of when it feels sort of like everyone dropped the ball a little bit and didn't talk about this issue as much as they should have well duly noted i would like to duly note that a motion has been tabled in montreal to prevent police from using tear gas it's interesting that we've just sort of like accepted that like civilians are going to be gassed by the cops uh you know three or four times a year mm. This is like a wartime chemical weapon. This can cause miscarriages. People can die. It has been banned in other countries back to like 1929. This is banned for wartime use, but it is still something that is used on the reg uh, with street protests. And this motion has been tabled and it's going to be debated next week. Mm. And people should be talking about that. There's actually um, a really interesting book that I'm reading right now called Police of Field Guide that talks all about tear gas's history. It's really bizarre and kind of disturbing how it's treated as like this humane solution, even though it causes all these medical problems for people exposed to it. Duly noted. So, Anna, I'm very much here for this next story. This is something that uh, I read in the Jerusalem Post, but it actually uh, is, draws upon an interview that ran in the uh, Israeli newspaper Yediot Aharonot. A retired Israeli general, who's currently an academic, it's a professor, Chaim Eshed, tells the media that aliens are real. Aliens exist and President Trump knows about it. That's according to Israel's former space security chief in an interview with an Israeli. Aliens are real, says the head of Israel's space security program, the former head. For 30 years, almost, he ran Israel's space security program. 87-year-old man was Israel's, like, point person on space security, three-time recipient of the Israel Security Award, okay? He says that Israel and the United States have been dealing with aliens for years. And he says that there uh, is a bunker on Mars. He says that there is a galactic federation. And uh, they, they have said that they don't want word to get out because they want to prevent mass hysteria. And I think you can look at this a couple of different ways. Mm. You can say if anyone in the world has credibility here, it's this guy. And you can start putting the pieces together. You know, Donald Trump, he says, was in on this. And Donald Trump has made public statements that he's learned some pretty interesting things. And then you can look at those series of videos that were released. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. Oh, thank you. Those are UFOs. 
uh, we all saw those videos circulate. And you can start to think, what is Space Force for? Why did Trump start that? Like, it's not like you're putting together a wild, crazy consp- – like, there's real stuff that you can start to think that maybe something and, – and what an amazing time in this horrible winter of pandemic to dream of something like that. Mm. Or I submit to you an 87-year-old altercocker is having a laugh on his way out. And either way, I love this story. Great way to end 2020 either way. <laughs> <laughs> I could see it both ways. I could see him. I could see him pulling one on us, or I could see him being serious. I could see him doing both. Maybe, maybe he's pulling, you know, both levers at the same time. He's saying, "Oh yeah, you know, there's aliens out there. We have proof. He's like the bunker on Mars. <laughs> They're gonna fall for that one." <laughs> you know, we're laughing, and the tone of the coverage was was. Uh... Like it's it's just the worst thing when like news reporters try to tell jokes. Um, the Jerusalem Post's last line was like, "We reached out to the Galactic Federation uh, for comment, but they did not respond in time." And then Global News is just like, the last line here in Canada from Global News: Global News also reached out to the Galactic Federation about the issue. The aliens did not respond by press time. I'm I'm all for dad jokes, but like, just think of a new alien joke. Global News. Yeah. Yeah, every journalist has had that joke in the newsroom on this story by now. Oh, you should reach them out to them for comments. Like, yeah, it's not new. <laughs> uh, we, we've previously, we dedicated a previous episode of Canada Land to UFO coverage and how, mm. like, for so many years, this stuff got filed under National Enquirer. A farmer sees a, uh, a flying saucer, says he got probed. It's just like the definition of bullshit fake news before we even had the term fake news, which has kind of put us in a strange position now that there is like demonstrable, recordable, credible stuff to start documenting and credible people putting themselves on the record about it. Uh, we have this kind of like dismissive laughing tone. Of course, it gets clicked on like crazy. So like, it's not, it's, oh, not, yeah. it's not like we're not gonna report it, but I think we've kind of, you know, we've put this in the in the joke box. Yeah, it's, it's so hard to say, because on the one hand, like it, it just like, What's the chances that extraterrestrial life is out there? Like, it's pretty high. Like, just generally speaking, it seems likely that we're not the only intelligent species out there. Let's hope that there's a little bit higher of a bar for us to look out to out there. I feel like if we're the pinnacle of intelligent species and, you know, something might have gotten wrong. <laughs> but, I don't know, bunkers on Mars. NASA in the United States has been struggling to take anybody to Mars for like the past 20 30 years so it's i don't know it's it's difficult but i think it may it, it makes sense to me though when you put it all together i think the one thing that i still struggle with is uh, donald trump he just seems like the kind of guy that would run out and immediately tell everyone hey guess what aliens are real and i can prove it <laughs> <laughs> i would just imagine some kind of like uh you know staged alien invasion a la watchmen uh to <laughs> provide some sort of a pretense for another term without an election absolutely uh, <laughs> complete with the you know explosion in new york and everything <laughs> this story is just the greatest escape it's the greatest vacation from everything that we all have to think about right now it's uh and i don't know i, I keep i keep waiting for somebody to broach the political di dimension that it's israel but uh you know but, but that, that roots this back into all of our squabbles on earth that i, I like the story as an antidote too so mm. i hereby revoke all jocularity and humor that I have expressed in this segment. I take this very, very seriously. And uh, this is a serious news report. Uh, and I believe mm. it. And uh, I want the aliens to uh, deem us fit for 
knowledge of their existence. Canada Land could be the first, you know, Earth Galactic Federation partnered media program. So I feel like that's a really good political stance to take. You know what? What the New York Times did to the Pornhub story, we're going to do to this alien story. That's a we're great gonna idea. This story. <laughs> we're going to dominate it. It's our story now. Canada Land Media slash Galactic Federation Media. <laughs> <laughs> Anna, thank you. That is Canada Land Shortcuts for this week. Thank you for joining me for it. Of course. Everybody, you can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send. We are on Twitter at Canada Land. Anna, where exactly can people find you? Everyone can find me on twitter.com slash acvalens. That's A-C-V-A-L-E-N-S. Check me out on there. Also, by the way, this week, uh, my first book officially came out on Tumblr porn. It's all about the history of NSFW content on Tumblr. It also includes some personal anecdotes. Go ahead, head on over to my Twitter, check it out. You'll find the link to it right there. Congratulations on your book. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Our website is canadaland.com. There is a fascinating episode of Commons uh, out this week. They're killing it this season. Um, go check out the new episode of Commons the police. This episode is produced by Tiffany Lamb with additional production by Kevin Sexton. Our managing editor is Andrea Schmidt. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like what we do and you want some stuff from us, some gifts for the holidays and ad-free podcasts, uh, support what we do. Go to canadaland.com slash join. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to and so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get. For just $2 a month, that is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's gonna get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.